Well, happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Frary and Smith podcast. Before we get to today's special guests, we wanted to give you a quick reminder. If you haven't already, consider subscribing to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you enjoy what you hear on this episode, consider leaving the show a quick rating or review. On Saturday, App State pulled off one of the biggest upset victories of the early college football season by defeating number six Texas A&M in College Station. Late Saturday night, the team found out that College Game Day would be coming to Boone, North Carolina for the first Sunbelt Conference game of the season against Troy. With all of that in mind, we wanted to give you a chance to hear from two guests who are as locked into Troy and App State football as anyone. On today's episode, you'll hear from App State radio voice Adam Witten first, And then later in the show, the voice of the Trojans, Barry McKnight, will stop by to give us an inside look into the Troy Trojans program. Adam Witten will be our first guest in today's episode. He's been the voice of the Mountaineers since 2016. He is a 2004 graduate of Appalachian State University, where he received his Bachelor's of Science in Radio and Television Broadcasting Technology. In addition to his work at App State, Adam currently serves as the Vice President for Broadcast Operations at Learfield a leading media and technology company in college athletics. He's had the best seat in the house to see one of the truly great stories in college football over the past decade. During his tenure as radio voice, the Mountaineers are an outstanding 63-18, and 18, a 778 winning percentage, including a 5-1 record in bowl games along with three Sun Belt titles. Caden, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your good friend, Adam Witten? Oh man, Adam's a great guy. He's obviously, we, we got in at the same time. He, he started announcing in 2016. That's when I started playing. So he's been the voice of App State for my whole entire career there. And he's just amazing, man. I think his dedication and his love for App State, I think we the word, the phrase bleeds black and gold has been used a lot. Talking about Chase Bryce, talking about Coach Clark. But Adam Witten is the same way. And you can tell that through the passion of his calls. We always look forward to hearing his calls after the game on our highlights. And he's just a great guy, man. He's always been good to me. He's always been good to the team. And I can't wait for the people to listen to what he had to say about this upcoming matchup. That's obviously super exciting with college game day being in town. Welcome to the Prairie and Smith podcast. We're excited to have you on the show with us today. Great to be with you guys. Just hanging out here on a beautiful afternoon, watching some Nap State football practice, getting ready for that Sun Belt opener. So thanks for having me on, fellas. Well, it's been a crazy first couple of weeks for you and the team. Uh, first, that shootout game against North Carolina. I'm sure your vocal cords were hurting after that one a little bit. And then obviously the upset over Texas A&M over the weekend. You know, as a fellow broadcaster, I've got to know what type of emotions were you feeling in the final moments of that upset on Saturday? You know, it's it's interesting because I didn't really feel any emotion other than nerves and anxiety until the final seconds ticked off the clock. I mean, yeah, Cato knows this. There, there's just been so many heartbreaks in the past years playing on the road against top 10 teams, whether it was Tennessee in 16 or Penn State in 18. And so I just I did not want to resign myself to the victory, give in to the victory until those triple zeros hit. Once they did, then it was just kind of this outburst of emotion and joy and exhilaration. And it just kind of I I still don't even quite remember everything that Brandon and I, my broadcast partner, said in that moment when the game ended. But uh, we, we were certainly letting out a lot of pent up anxiety into excitement. 
Good stuff, man. Adam, you've been doing play-by-play for App for seven years now, but you're an App State graduate. You've been very familiar with the App State culture and the program for some time now. Did you ever in your years at App and experience just expect college game day to be coming to Boone and just what do you expect to see this Saturday and what do you think it means to this town that's very clearly a football town? I mean, it's it's amazing that we get to check off another another first in the history of this program with, with college game day coming on Saturday. You know, I, I think going back to when I first started, I don't... I, it was hard to imagine it ever happening because for, for it to come to a, to a program that's outside of one of the major conferences, for that to happen, you have to get all the stars to align. And it's just that the chances of that stuff happening where you get the right momentum with the program, the right spot on the schedule, you know, the, the right things fall in, in, with other teams around the country in terms of not making other matchups as attractive. I, I guess I always told myself that it's going to happen at some point. Boone and App State is just such a, it's, it's too much of a special place, too much of a great experience and atmosphere for it not to happen. Um, but uh, I, I certainly didn't expect it to happen this quickly, but it's, it's funny. We were talking about this on the way to the, on the way to the A&M game Saturday morning. And we said, kind of brought this conversation up about um when do we think game day will ever make its way to Boone? And we were kind of looking toward next year because with the way that the Sun Belt was moving up, with the way that App State's program had been getting more and more national recognition, um, we, we, we were looking at, well, maybe a game against Coastal Carolina or Georgia Southern will be on a Saturday or Marshall will be on a Saturday. Um, when, when all those teams come to Boone next year, maybe that's an opportunity for it to happen. So we really weren't thinking this year, but then – we, we kind of paused for a moment and we, and we all kind of said to ourselves, unless we beat A&M, if we beat A&M, then it's on the table for this year. Didn't think it was going to happen the very next Saturday. I thought it might happen maybe later in the season. Uh, but, you know, I, I think knowing what we know now that App basically took college game day away from Texas A&M, it all kind of makes sense. So I'd say kind of yes and no is the answer to that question, Caden. But, um, you know, for it to happen here in Boone, it's, we, we didn't think anything would top what the North Carolina game experience was like. And here we are probably about to exceed that height just two weeks later. I love the fact that you brought up there, too, that not only do you guys beat Texas A&M, but you also take college game day after Reese Davis admitted earlier this week that they were probably going there for that game against Miami. Um, Adam, because you graduated back in 2004, you kind of had some unique context to App State and We've all been asking the question, you know, put this in context. Does this win against Texas A&M rank ahead or behind that win against Michigan back in 2007? Oh, it's, it's definitely behind. You know, we, we were saying it's throughout the, the later stages of the broadcast against A&M and in our postgame show. It's, it's, it's the best. It's the most nationally recognized win for the program since Michigan. But in my opinion, nothing will ever. I don't think anything could ever stop top Michigan shy of winning the, the college football playoff. Um, what that did, what that did for the program, you know, we, we were talking about it too on Saturday. The, the difference in the way that people absorbed App's win over A&M and, and Marshall's win over Notre Dame. Looking at them, if, if you hide the identities of the teams, you have one team going on the road beating Texas A&M. You have another team going on the road beating Notre Dame. They're both beating great programs. Notre Dame's a more storied program than Texas A&M. But yet the attention that App State got nationally for that win 
completely dwarfed the attention that Marshall got. And that's no disrespect to, to Marshall and what they accomplished. It's a fantastic win. But to me, it spoke to the power of the brand of App State. And when you think about the power of the brand and how big it is com- compared to another school in its same conference doing something similar, that all goes back to what the Michigan game did. All of that comes from that Michigan game. Um, the profile of the school, the, the success of the program, it all it, it, that took it to another level for the program, for the university. Nothing will ever top that in my mind. That being said, this is a Mount Rushmore victory for the program. Um, this is one that we will talk about and remember as fondly or close to as fondly as the Michigan game. It is, it is, a, it is a moment that uh, will go down in the history books and we'll remember forever. But it, 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 in terms of how it compares to Michigan, no, nothing will ever top that in my mind. I definitely agree with that one, Adam. I was asked the same question and had to give the same answer. That Michigan one just just hits differently, I feel like, for the App State community. But in your time in the booth covering App, if you had to pick one player, Adam, just one, that caught your eye the most, that stood out to you the most, just from that perspective being in the booth watching, who would that player be and why? Other than Caden Smith? Yeah, it can't be Caden Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, I I never got to really see much of Armani Edwards in person. he, he did things for this program as an individual that I don't think anybody will ever be able to achieve just in terms of his dominance as a single player on a regular basis. But that's not somebody that I got to call games for. Um, you know, the, the names that come to mind, Darrington Evans was certainly a special player. He, he could impact the game in so many different ways, a game breaker um, and just a great person to be around. So uh, Darrington Evans is, is certainly one of them. And, and I tell you, I, I think by the end of this year, I, I'm really interested to see what people are going to have to say about Nick Hampton, because the way that that guy can dominate a game uh, coming off the edge, he, he's, a spe- he's a special player. and He is getting better and better every single game. So uh, I, I think that could be someone that we look at fondly after this season. But, you know, I, I think I think just overall explosiveness things that made you just kind of say, wow, I can't believe he could do that. Darrington Evans is, is probably the one that stands out to me because I covered him for, from, from day one in 2016. That was my first year. And, um, you know, he broke on the, out on the scene returning a kick for the, for a touchdown in the bowl game in 2016. I love the Nick Hampton there too, because I mean, Caden on an earlier episode of this kind of compared him to, to like the Will Anderson of the Sunbelt. I think you saw a lot of that on uh, Saturday, just his talent. And I think, Sunbelt fans are just getting warmed up to him. Um, obviously, Coach Clark has been a huge part of this story. You know, he was on SportsCenter this morning. Um, you've worked with him for a while now, and I know that we had reached out to you. What's kind of your favorite Coach Clark story? Yeah, I, the, the story I always go back to, guys, is, is, from, the, um, is from the 2018 bowl game, the, uh, the New Orleans Bowl in 2018. Uh, first of all, you know, I, I – I, I have so much respect and, and, and love for Coach Clark, and, and you couldn't help as soon as that, that A&M game was over just feel happy for him um, and, and, you know, the fact that he gets to – now that game gets to be synonymous with his coaching legacy is, is incredible. Um, but, you know, he came back to the program my first year in calling games here, and, and he really kind of became my, my first friend on the coaching staff. You know, I knew Scott Satterfield and – I knew some of the other coaches that were on staff, um, but he was the first one that I really kind of clicked with immediately when I came back. So, um, so I, I've always had a, an admiration for him, but 
the, the one that stands out to me, so in 2018, AF wins the Sunbelt Championship. Scott Satterfield uh, goes on to Louisville, and, um, and a handful of coaches went with him, and some stayed back to coach the bowl game before going to Louisville. So Mark Ivey is the interim head coach. Frank Ponce, who was calling plays at the time, goes with Sean or goes with Scott Satterfield to Louisville to be his quarterback's coach. And Sean Clark gets to assume the play calling duties for, for the 2018 game. And I remember talking to him before the game and, and he's telling us just about how much fun he's having trying to create the game plan and draw plays. And, you know, he, he kept hinting all week about the fact that he was going to pull out some special stuff. And App did a, a handful of trick plays and they all hit. I mean, all of them hit. They ran the Philly special. They ran wide receiver passes. They, they did it all, and they all worked. And so the moment that I remember, though, is apps blowing away Middle Tennessee. The game's not in doubt, and we're, we're having fun. And um, our, our sideline reporter, Molly Cotton, does a report toward the end of the game, and then she says, well, hang on, Adam. Someone's got something to, that, that someone has something they want to say to you. Sean Clark grabs the microphone live on the air. He's like, hey, what'd you think of that play calls, Witten? <laughs> and, you know, he's, he's boasting about his performance as a play caller in, in his first game with that role in that 2018 bowl game. He did it live on the air during the broadcast. And so that, that's, that's kind of the moment I always go to in terms of one that stands out in, in working with him. I love that. That's, that's great. Yeah, and I, I definitely remember that one vividly. That was definitely a fun game to play in for sure. Adam, if you had to single out one position group this season that's impressed you the most, obviously every year we lose a ton of talent just because we normally have those big senior classes and there's a lot of question marks at different positions, but you obviously have the stable of running backs always. The O-line's looking fantastic this year. The linebacking group's really sideline to sideline. But if you had to pick one position group this year that stood out to you or just is worth mentioning, who would you pick and why? I think without question, Caden, it's, it's the offensive line. Like you mentioned, they've been outstanding. They were really strong in the North Carolina game in, in protecting Chase and allowing him to pass for a school record six touchdowns and put up 40 points in the fourth quarter. But I think what was most impressive to me in, in the first two weeks was what they did at Texas A&M. And, and I think something that goes overlooked, and, and Kate, I'd be curious, your, your take on this as well as someone, as a former player, but you know when, when one of the most important stats from the A&M game was time of possession and a number of plays run. App had the ball for, for 43 minutes of the game. They ran 80 plays versus 38 for Texas A&M. And, and the narrative when, when something like that happens is, oh man, that's going to take such a toll on the defense. That's going to take such a toll on the defense. App's going to wear down that defense. Well, on defense, you're subbing. And it's like on the defensive line, you're subbing frequently on the line you're you're subbing a lot of different positions to get fresh bodies in there there's no subbing really on the offensive line it's for the most part for every snap of the game it's the same five guys out there taking every snap and the fact that it never seemed to wear on the offensive line to be out there for all those plays in that texas heat i think that was the most impressive thing about what they did on saturday is they could they would hold the ball for 11, 12, 16 play drives, run off all that clock, put put the finishing touches on drives and win that game because they controlled the football. And the offensive line just never seemed to to falter and get tired. And, you know, I think that to me was, was one of the defining moments of that group as an offensive line and may go down as the defining moment to me over the course of this season. 
No, 100%, Adam. I mean, we've we've seen so many great O-linemen come through the program, the Colby Gossets, the Noah Hannons, and this group is kind of a misfit group. There's some transfers, some new faces, some young guys, but it just looks like they're playing really good as a unit, and they're just playing mistake-free football, and they obviously have that edge to them. So I would definitely give a, a nod to them as much as I can for their work they've been doing in these first two weeks. Well, Adam, we definitely, obviously, you're away from family a lot. You you travel, and, you know, I follow you on social media. One of the things that I spotted, you know, the other day next to your spotting board was just a photo of your family that I think you take with you for every game. And I was just curious, what's the story behind that? What's the meaning? Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate you asking that. So uh, that's that, to me, is is something that just kind of reminds me to keep things in perspective in terms of what's important, you know, um, I, I obviously don't have an impact on the game, but at the same time, I want to do a good job. And if things aren't going well with our broadcast or I get frustrated at something that I say that, um, that, you know, I may get, I may get upset and I may get mad, but that picture is there just for me to be able to glance at throughout the broadcast and just, you know, something that'll just bring a smile to your face, make you feel better. Um, even if things aren't going well. So, you know, I love my family. I'm, I'm so grateful to, to my wife who, who takes care of our, three kids when I'm traveling and doing games during the fall. Um, so yeah, that's, that's something I've been doing since day one. Uh, it's, it's on my preseason checklist every year to print out an updated picture of, of my wife and my kids to, uh, to put on there. And yeah, I, uh, I, I take it off the, off the wall and put it in my, my game day notebook and, um, and then wherever we go next week, pull it out, tape it back up on the wall somewhere. So I always want to have it within eyesight so that, um, you know, no matter how things are going with the game, no matter how things are going with the broadcast, there's always something around me that I can glance at and, uh, and, and feel a little bit better. Man, that's great. I, I, you know, I think fans oftentimes forget just the sacrifices that go into be a part of a program like App State week in and week out, the travel, the, you know, hours uh, at the game each day. So I think that's that's really neat and probably a story that hasn't been shared a ton. I've only got one thing left for you. And I had this marked as our top secret question about Caden, so he hasn't even heard this question yet. But you're one of a very select group of people that saw Caden play all six years of his career. We've talked about it at length on the podcast, and I've looked at his career stat line. To me, it's a bit underwhelming, particularly he didn't have any interceptions last year. I just needed to hear from your perspective how good of a player was 13 in black and gold. 13 was a dynamite player in, in black and gold. Here's, here's, here's what I'll say about, about Cato from, from last year. Yes, he didn't have any interceptions, but that man, look, I don't know if he's talked about it on the pod before, but that guy worked as hard as I've ever seen anybody work or and heard about anybody work in, in coming back from a bad injury. Dude, dude had an Achilles injury from spring practice, and he worked his way back and fought and grinded and did everything that he could to be out there for his guys and help that defense. And he made such an impact in the secondary when he came back. It was the Georgia State game last year, which, you know, playing playing in his hometown. Um, but, you know, for him to come back for an injury that severe and then to see what he meant out there, because he's one of those players where it's like, look, he may not be 100%, but 75% of Caden Smith still gives us a, a great chance to win. And so that's how important he was to that team. So even when he's not at full speed and, and still battling some injuries, his presence on the field, his leadership, the way he communicates, gets the defense organized, it, it was invaluable. Did, did, I, did I rehearse that? Did I, did, I, <laughs> did I do that from rehearsal correctly? Yeah, you'll get the money later, Adam. Appreciate that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
Well, Adam, it's been great having you on here. We really appreciate you taking some time, even you know during the midst of your busy schedule, obviously at practice right now. And I know Kate and I are both excited. We're going to be heading up to Boone this weekend and definitely look forward to seeing you while we're up there. Oh, that's great. That's great. I'm glad to hear that, guys. I appreciate you all coming up and uh, hope I get to see both of you guys while you're here. Wow, Caden, what a great interview that was with Adam Witten. I really love that story he told us in particular about Coach Clark back in 2018 calling plays in that bowl game. It was also great hearing about just how much his family means to him. Oh, no, I know Adam very well over the years. He's obviously been calling the App State games ever since I've been there. And he's just really the voice of App State. He's embodied it. We look forward to hearing his voice on those highlight videos and just hearing those big calls. So it was great to have him and hear his perspective about App State for sure in this game coming up. Well, we've got another treat coming up. Our next guest is no stranger to the Sun Belt. Barry McKnight has served as the voice of the Trojans football team now for 21 seasons. He's approaching his 250th career football broadcast at Troy and has narrated some of the biggest moments in the program's history, calling the Trojans upset over number 17 Missouri back in 2004, as well as their big win over Oklahoma State in 2007. He's currently working with his fourth coaching staff led by John Summerall. Barry, thanks so much for taking some time to chat with us this evening. Yeah, it's good. It's it's good to it's good to mention Caden Smith's name with and during a broadcast without me saying Caden Smith makes another tackle. It's good. To, it's good to see you not in uniform for the first time, Caden. <laughs> <laughs> good to see you, Barry. Good to see you. Yeah, we asked Adam Witten uh, earlier when we talked to him, uh, you know, a little bit about Caden's career because I look at the stats and to me they're a little underwhelming. But he 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 gave me a resounding, <laughs> you know, why Caden was such a good football player and. You know, so I think we've kind of cleared the air on that. So I think I'm going to oh, take yeah. you guys Much at your respect word. to Caden Smith. Yeah, <laughs> take, take me, take me. We, uh, yeah, believe me, we, we we knew where Caden Smith was on the field when we played him for sure. He tells me he's the quarterback of the defense. I, I'll give it to him. But, you know, I, <laughs> I wanted to start with a moment ago. I mentioned the fact that you've obviously worked with four different coaching staffs, you know, during your tenure that started back in 2002. Um you know, obviously, Coach Summerall the other day, he makes the joke that he would rather listen to you call a game than some of ESPN's announcers. And, you know, I, I, I don't blame him. But you worked with John when he was an assistant under Neil Brown back in 2015-17 through 17. And I was just curious what your relationship has been like with him now that he's a head coach. Well, it's interesting because we actually had a commonality when he was an assistant coach, the assistant head coach at Troy. This is a kind of a six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon kind of thing. But my brother <laughs> Mike uh, wrote for wrote for years. He was a feature writer for Sports Illustrated, and he uh, interviewed John Sumrall uh, for a Sports Illustrated piece on a on a linebacker at Tulane named um, Nico Marley. Uh, Nico Marley, his grandfather was the reggae legend, Bob Marley. And, uh, at the time, and Nico Marley was making, he was like the Carlton Marshall of Tulane. He was making every tackle all the time at about five feet, 10, 205 pounds. And so my brother in writing about, you know, Nico Marley and Nico's father, Rohan Marley was a great linebacker at Miami. And so he talked with John Sumrall when he was, uh, you know, Nico's position coach at Tulane. So whenever he got the Troy job, I said, hey, you might remember my brother. He says, yeah, that's great. Everything with uh, Coach Sumrall is always, you know, full blast. And we talked for a long time about, you know, my brother's career, my career and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we had a commonality. We had a, an affinity then. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, when uh, the job opened after Neil Brown left, he was the, the favorite candidate of quite a few fans then. Um, and uh, he was a finalist for the job. 
And when, you know, the job became open again, boy, it was uh, it was a landslide of support for him then. And um, it all worked out. Um, you know, he and I have have known each other. I've known his family for a while, been tracking his career. So to have him back has been a joy. And, you know, he gets what we do. Uh, he is he is so full blast and so intentional in everything he does. But he makes sure that. um you know, that I have what I need and that, you know, the, the media has what, what, what they need. Um, he's really intentional that way for sure with, uh, with the people he works with, with the, um, with the fans and all that he is, um, he definitely is a guy who doesn't do anything, um, frivolously. A- everything he does is with intent and purpose and with, you know, a, a, a kind of insincerity that, uh, a kind of sincerity that I think is really won over the Troy fans who didn't already know it. No, that's good stuff, Barry. I just wanted to ask you, you've been calling Troy games for 21 years now. You were there for the Missouri upset. You were there for Oklahoma State. You've seen records get broken, different coaches. You've seen so many changes with the facility and the field, I guess. You've had a front row seat to this. What's been your favorite part about just watching this program grow? Well, the the, the best part about it all is is just, you know, taking the step, uh, I think it was Dr. King who said that you, you know, you you don't look at the bottom of the staircase when you take that first step, or you don't look at the top of the staircase when you take that first step. So you never really know what all of the leaps of faith that Troy was taking, Caden, in in the North End Zone project, in the renovation at Veterans Memorial Stadium, and you know some of the other things that do. You you're hopeful, you know, you you're 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 wishful that these things really would work out, but each step has just been a resounding success. To me, that's the best part of it all is not only taking the chances, not only taking the educated, um, carefully considered chances, but watching them come to fruition. Uh, Coach Blakeney used to say whenever Troy first went into Division 1A, which was uh, the year before I first started, I had been doing television for Troy, so I was around, but he always said that, you know, Troy should be a Division 1A institution because they always had Division 1A fans. Um, and, you know, then you, you hoped it worked out. You knew it worked out well in Division 2 and NAIA and 1AA for Troy. But, you know, it was an intentional step then that you hoped to work out. But everything that Troy has done with calculation has really worked out just as even better than we could have possibly hoped. And that's really rewarding. Yeah, no, I think that that's, that's so exciting to hear. And, you know, I think as a broadcaster, I look at 21 years at an institution and just the number of moments. And I think that that's something that, you know, one day you obviously hope that your career has, has lasted that long. So I think that's some great perspective there. And then obviously to see growth of Troy, which is, is great. I think, you know, part of, you know, this season is Carlton Marshall's pursuit of, you know, history at this point. He's, you know, very close to becoming the all-time tackler in, you know, D1 FBS history. Um, he's had a lot of success against App State in his career, 19 tackles a season ago. I think my question for you was, where would you kind of rank Carlton Marshall's performance during his career among some of the greats at Troy? Well, in, in terms of production, uh, just nobody compares. And I've called OCU Menorah's games, and I've called Demarcus Ware's games, and I've called, you know, some NFL players like, uh, you know, um, like Mario Addison and Steve McClendon, who's won Super Bowls and all that. But in terms of actual production, no, nobody compares to what Carlton has done. He is three tackles away. If he gets three tackles against Appalachian State this weekend, he will be the all-time leading tackler in Sunbelt Conference history. If he gets, I think it's 83 tackles for the rest of the season. And last year he got 124. If he gets 83 more tackles this year, 
he'll be the all-time leading tackler in division in NCAA history. Nobody will have ever tackled a ball carrier more times in a career than Carlton Marshall would have done. And that that that's just hard to believe. The the better part of it is is not just, you know, rating him as a player and rating his productivity, but just rating his story. He came to Troy from Mobile as a walk-on and and John Sumrall actually worked him and got him to come on as preferred walk-on. He never coached him. He left before Carlton got here. So he got to Troy at five feet nine, 205 pounds as a walk-on. And the coordinator at the time, Vic Koning, said, you got to watch out for this guy. You know, nobody knows anything about him, but he's all over the place in, um, in fall camp. And as soon as fall camp was over, as a walk-on before the very first game of his walk-on freshman year, he got a scholarship. And, you know, I'm, you know, talking about Caden and trying to think of different ways to say Caden Smith makes another play against Troy. It's the same kind of a thing with uh, with Carlton Marshall. As a broadcaster, it really tests you to try to think of different descriptive phrases to say Carlton Marshall on the tackle because he has done it almost more than anybody else who's ever played the game collegiately. I was going to say, I appreciate you putting my name in that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, I'm going to take it right uh, back you know. out of that sentence here real quick. And, you know, and I think this is just some great context. Obviously, we talk about how, how great Caden's career was, and there was just there was so many great moments. But this is just to put it in context. Marshall has well north of 450 career tackles. Caden had 161 in very similar amounts of games. And I think that just speaks to the talent that has been Carlton Marshall, obviously different positions. <laughs> I, I, no, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to drop a name. You know, I, I do a morning radio show in Montgomery, Alabama, a sports stuff. I've been doing that for 25 years. And um, there's a guy from Montgomery, played quarterback, at, a really good quarterback uh, here in the Montgomery area, a guy named Josh Thomas. And, you know, oh, he yeah. went up to Appalachian State. Josh, now Josh is a baller, Caden. He he came as a quarterback, and he, and he was a, a defensive end. And, you know, I would interview him every once in a while on the Sunbelt Media Days, and we'd have him on our show. Montgomery Product does well and all that kind of stuff. And he would talk about, um, you know, the competition that he faced up there all the time. And, again, I hate to use the phrase over and over again because there have been several coaches who have continued the success at Appalachian State, but just how intentional everything is up there, how important football is to everybody up there and all that. So, you know, I'm, I'm not as familiar with Caden's story, but, you know, that's, you know, Playing football at that effectively at a place like that where football means so much has got to be rewarding. It certainly was um it certainly was effective. There's no question about that. No, Noah's trying to take his jabs at me, but he literally does, you know, I, I have I'm honored to even be in the same conversation as Josh Thomas and Carlton Marshall. Those are two great players. I did not know that about his story of him walking onto the team. Just you see his production year in and yeah. year out, and you would never expect that. So I'm sure the people at home will definitely like hearing that too. Barry, for a lot of people, this might be their first time catching the Troy team this year with just the appeal of college game day coming to town. What should the people expect to see from Troy who haven't watched them yet coming out in this in this game this season if this is the first time they've watched them? Well, even if it's like their second time, Caden, it looks a lot different than it did last year. There's no question about it. If, if you saw them last year, particularly offensively, they're not going to look or they shouldn't look the same as they did the last couple of years when Troy was really pass happy. Now, they've had to throw the ball a lot lately. That's not what the design was. I think Troy right now is throwing the ball 61% of the time. But when the program gets to where it wants to, if it's effective on Saturday, it'll be because they can run the football. 
there is a couple of keys against App. One of them is you've got to be able to run the football against against App State for a couple of reasons. Number one, you've got to match the physicality. You know, you talk about all the skill position guys. App State is physical uh, more than just skillful. Uh, and the other thing is you want to be able to take a little time off the clock and limit App State's possessions. Troy tried to do that against Ole Miss and did it pretty effectively. So you, you, you're going to want to see, if you're a Troy fan, you're going to want to see Kate, Kimani Vidal um, play well. He has um, he's not um, he's not really gotten off the mark well yet, but he is a workhorse kind of a running back. Defensively, you'll see... Um, they call it differently. You know, it, it's it's basically a 5-2, but, um, you know, um, you'll have four men up on the line. All day. It looks a lot like Appalachian States, even though they call it different things. Um, but what you're going to see defensively more than anything else is team speed. Carlton can run. K.J. Robertson, the Mike linebacker, can run. Javon Solomon and Richard Gibbonor, two bandits, you know, who played that hybrid defensive end, rush end uh, linebacker. They both can really, really run. So offensively, you're looking at physicality. You're looking at Vidal. Um, Gunnar Watson, uh, the Troy quarterback, has started 18 games in his career now. Uh, but defensively, it's all about team speed. Getting after Chase Bryce—that is primary directive number one. W- without losing, you know, without losing your assignments in the rush game as well, because uh, Noel stung us last year. Uh, Cameron people stings everybody, so you know it, it's it's not an easy it's not an easy um, assignment for anybody. But for Troy to have their best chance, they've got to try to match App State's physicality, and they have got to be able to to pressure the quarterback. Got to. Yeah, I think that those are just some great points. And honestly, you know, once we're done talking, me and Caden are kind of planning to, you know, preview that matchup. And I think you might have just done our job for us. So we I definitely appreciate that. I think I have to move on because if we get talking defensive formations, Caden will be here all night because he's he's about as he's a junkie when it comes to that stuff. I've learned so much from already. Um, But I think what's interesting here is there's obviously a lot of excitement surrounding App State right now coming off of that upset game days coming to their campus. Um, but you have to imagine this is a big deal for Troy too. Um, you know, what do you have any idea or what's the pulse, maybe the mood around the team kind of heading into this, you know, very highly anticipated matchup with a lot of national eyes on the Troy program too? Well, Coach Summerall has has made it clear that the reason why College Game Day is in Boone is because of Appalachian State and the way they played. It's not because of Troy, and and he's been very frank about that. Troy was part of an, a, a feature, an, a, an ESPN College Game Day feature when Troy hosted Navy. I think it was 2014, and it was a spotlight game in the pregame. They did the the show from um, from a, from Battleship. So Troy's had some of that. Troy's going to get some reflected um, notoriety because of the exposure there. But the best thing that Troy can do is play well. You've got to tune out all the noise, which you've got to do anyway at App State because it feels like everybody's always on you all the time. The 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 ability to compartmentalize everything, you know, to not get caught up in it, to not get caught up in in really anything other than where your feet are and what you're going to do. You can look at the last four years. Troy won uh, against App State 28-24 back in Troy in 2017. Uh, since then, App State has outscored Troy something like 146 to 40. You can't look at that. You can't look at, you know, the, the run of success Appalachian State has had. Troy has had similar runs of success earlier, but it's still very early in the program. So, you know, what, what, what Troy has got to do is just 
Stay focused on where they are, what they're doing. Play each play, one play at a time. Compartmentalize everything. And another key, I'll throw another one at you as well. If Troy can have something good happen early, that would do a lot for the psyche of this football team. Most definitely. And we're talking about the hype around this game, but there's really just been a lot of hype around the Sun Belt right now recently, especially the Sun Belt East. When you look at the upset wins that App State had, Marshall had, Southern, Coastal's always good. And then Troy makes that move this year with new teams in the conference from the East to the West. And on this podcast, we're calling it the Wild Wild West a little bit just because it seems a little bit more open on that side. ULL doesn't look as much as the team as they were last year. South Alabama's looking good. How do you feel about Troy's move to this West division and just your thoughts on this West side? Well, it's easier for me, I can tell you that. You know, having to make trips every, you know, all the time to Coastal and to App and to um, Georgia Southern. Troy is one of the most centrally located schools in there, in the league. But, man, it's not easy to get to Troy. And it sure is not easy to get from Troy to, to Boone or from Troy to um, to Conway. So it's a little bit easier for us. Football-wise, it's definitely easier. Um, I think anybody would admit to that. Um, a chance to um, A chance to play Texas State and Arkansas State and ULM, uh, and of course the the one that we've always had to play anyway with South Alabama, along with Louisiana, is certainly something that I'm looking forward to. On the on the surface of it, it looks easier, but you make the point about the about the rise of the Sun Belt Conference. And this past weekend, without question, was the best weekend the Sun Belt ever had. I remember when I when Troy first entered the league back in 2006 and won the first of what turned out to be five straight Sunbelt championships. The first five years Troy was in this league, Troy won the league. And I'll be the first to admit, uh, the way it was constituted then, fellas, Troy knew, without being arrogant, Troy knew that you could go down to some of those places. You can go to FIU or you can go to FAU or you know some of the other schools. And at that time, you didn't necessarily have to play your best to expect to win the game. That was then. This is now everybody, uh, Sunbelt West, Sunbelt East, App State, Georgia Southern, Old Dominion, James, doesn't matter. This day and age, the way the Sunbelt Conference is, if you don't play your best, not only will you not win, you'll get embarrassed in this league. I promise you, that has not always been the way that it has been. Yeah, no, I think that that is a fantastic point. I mean, you look at all of these teams, I think, the changes in college football have obviously helped that with the transfer portal. I, you know, you look at a Troy program that's obviously been able to reload very quickly under Coach Summerall. So, yeah, I think that point is definitely the case. And as we've proven over the last couple of weeks, it's every game, you know, every game matters and every team is ready to play. And obviously the brand of football in the Sun Belt is just growing, you know, year over year. Um, Barry, I, you know, I want to just thank you for your kind of unique perspective. Obviously, you've been doing this about as long as Kate and I have been alive. So we appreciate Yeah, now, I'm fellas. sorry. I, I had to say it. But, you know, I appreciate that perspective because I think so often <laughs> that uh, the history aspect of where the Sun Belt has come from um, until now kind of tends to get forgotten because of the current success. Yeah, it, it has been uh, it has been remarkable to be sure. And I think part of it, Troy, you know, has helped provide that blueprint with, you know, Troy's early commitment to facilities. A quick story. I you know, I was here in Boone for uh, baseball this past spring. And after the Sunday game, the baseball team went into the um, football facility to, to shower and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, Troy's got great facilities. Everybody in the league has got great facilities. Appalachian State, it'll knock your eyes out. It, 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 it has not been because of a magic wand in the Sun Belt Conference. It's been because of a commitment to facilities, to fundraising, to coaches. The coaching is 
incredible these days. So it's an exciting time to be in the Sunbelt Conference, and uh, it's not been without a great deal of work to get to this point, and it's only going to get better. Well, thanks again for taking some time this evening to chat with us. I know Caden and I are both planning on making the trip up to Boone this weekend, so we'll definitely have to uh, swing by the visitors' radio booth and, and say hi. But thanks again for taking some time tonight. Always a pleasure. Thanks a bunch, fellas. Well, what a great start to this episode so far. I don't think we could have had two better people to kind of come in and talk about this upcoming game. A big thank you to Adam Witten and to Barry McKnight for taking some time out of their busy schedules in the lead up to this. Definitely learned a lot from Barry and I think even got you know some just excitement around that app state. So I think two great guests here uh, to begin this episode. Caden, we promised that in this episode we would take some time to you know preview the App State Troy game in this one and and, and what to expect. Um, you know, I think Barry did a very nice job of kind of telling us during his interview kind of what to expect, and those are some of the same conversations that you have, you and I have had. I think offensive line is going to be huge in this game. I also think the running game for both sides could play a big factor in who comes out victorious. Oh, definitely. I mean, if you look at these matchups historically, the line of scrimmage has been super important because Troy obviously has guys up front all the time, constantly defensive linemen that can really plug up some gaps and stop the run game. And they show that they can do that from time to time against an opponent like Ole Miss in their first game. So I think this will be an interesting matchup for them just because obviously they played Ole Miss in week one, a power five team, a loaded roster, and then they play a little bit weaker team the next year in AAMU. So they're kind of getting a team in between personnel wise as far as talent with App State. So it's definitely going to be interesting. It's obviously going to be the first Sunbelt game of the season. So obviously it's going to be high pressure situations for them. They're going to want to get that one and one out of their record. And App State's going to try to keep using that momentum from last week for sure. Caden, you've played in these games over the last couple of years, uh, all the way back, you know, really to the start of your career. Um, you know, the one thing when you look at this matchup, it used to be a very close matchup. And then over these last several years, it, these games have not been close. I look at it was a 38-point win in 2021, 37 the year before, 35 in 2019. What do you make of that? Is that just the the rise of the App State program? Yeah, I think it's more, I'm not, I don't want to pat App State too hard on the back, obviously, here, but I think it's more of the consistency of App State. I think, obviously, if you look at every team in the Sunbelt the past five, six years, it's been pretty much up and down for everybody. I mean, Coastal didn't really get hot for the last couple of years. I remember the days when ULL, we used to blow them out as well. And Troy used to play closer games with App State even before I got to App in 2016. And I remember they were the talk of the Sunbelt a little bit. It was almost like 1A and 1B as far as who was the best team in the Sunbelt. But it's dynastic in the Sunbelt. It's hard to be consistent. The app's been able to do that. But don't get it twisted. Troy still has that confidence that every Sunbelt team has going into these matchups. I mean, I remember even when we blew them out, we were chirping with them before the game like because they thought they were going to win that game. They have all that confidence on their team and their roster. And we talked about it before. It's college game day in town. Big players make big plays in big games. And you have Carlton Marshall playing this game. I know he wants to make an impact as well. So it's going to be interesting to watch. It's obviously people are going to lean towards App winning this game. You see this point spread and you see the hype around App State right now. But I wouldn't count Troy out necessarily too hard as far as what they can bring to the table and competing in this game. Yeah, no, I think those are great points. I think, you know, and Barry kind of touched on it in the interview and he said, man, it's it's important for Troy to get off to a good start in this game. And you have to imagine, obviously, you have a big win, and I know the coaching staff at App State is going to try their hardest, but after big wins like that, there always is the possibility for a hangover, and you have to imagine that if Troy can string together a couple of good drives, maybe get some points on the scoreboard early in this game, this game could perhaps be closer than maybe even some of the odds makers think it could be. 
Yeah, I think win, lose, or draw with App State and really just every program in the country. Once you once you watch that film from the week before on Sunday, you throw it away and you move on to the next week. You can't dwell on it. And I feel like in an upset win, it is kind of easy to dwell on it. I mean, you go on social media and you're still seeing stuff about this AM win. It's it's following App State right now. Coach Clark was on Sports Center. So you can say as hard as you can, you want to focus on this game, but ultimately when those players are picking up their phones and looking at them, they're still hearing that hype about that game. So it's definitely going to be a situation where they're not going to try to get caught slipping. And I feel like in a in a ruckus environment that the Rock's going to be this weekend, it would be huge for Troy if they could throw the first punch and kind of quiet that stadium for a little bit. And then App State would kind of have to splash some water on their face and get back to reality. So I think it definitely will be a game of momentum, like Barry mentioned. And it's going to be an exciting matchup for sure. I think, you know, something that will obviously be important in when we talked with Adam Witten earlier in this episode, one of the things he had talked about is how good the Bulls, you know, the offensive line had been playing for App State. And, you know, I almost feel like in a game against Texas A&M, that goes unnoticed, just how dominant of a game they had. The other thing App did so well against Texas A&M in that game was they controlled the pace of that game. They had the football for nearly double the amount of time, almost, it might have been triple the amount of time that Texas A&M had in that game. And, you know, I think a lot of credit goes to that group up front for App State. No, 100%. Adam touched on it before. I got it up right here. App State had the ball in that A&M game for 41 minutes and 29 seconds, and A&M had it for 18 seconds. And you look at their drives. They had an 18-play drive in that game, a 15-play drive, and a 13-play drive, but they only got three points out of it. So I think that's going to be the focus for the offense this week because, obviously, it's great to have your O-line playing that well and sustaining drives for you and having your skill players convert those third downs, which is something Troy's going to have to get better at as well because in their first two games, they weren't converting as well. So I think it will be a game of that upfront who can sustain these drives the longest and who can score on them because App State was thankful that their defense showed up so well. But Troy's shown the ability to score some points and they're doing it in a similar fashion that UNC did. If you look at the rushing numbers versus the passing rushers, they are throwing the ball heavy team. So they're they're definitely going to be taking a page out of UNC's book, watching that film and trying to spread it out on them. I don't know how committed they're going to be to this run game depending on how the first couple drives go, but they definitely have something to look at as far as attacking the App State secondary. And it's going to be interesting to see how the time of possession battle works for sure. It's so interesting because over the first two weeks of this year, obviously, we've we've come to learn in college football, particularly with Sunbelt teams, to kind of expect the unexpected in this one. I think most people, and even Vegas has App at a 12.5-point favorite, I think they expect App to win this game. Uh, but I think we would be stupid if we didn't think about you know what has happened over the last couple of weeks and how college football games can really go any way. And I think that's going to be you know really important in this game, particularly for App, again, coming off of that big win. No, it's still very early in the season. Like people, it feels like the, such so much excitement was surrounding the Semba obviously this weekend. So it feels like there's been a lot more games and a lot more action going on. But it's only week three, and I don't think any team in the country would, at the end of the season, look back to week three and say, "Yeah, that's the team that we had this year." So it's easy to get caught up in what's going on right now. But it is early in the season. App State might have just played their best game of the year. They might have just played in the middle. We don't know for Troy and App State how well they can truly play. And I think ultimately, Sunbelt action is what matters the most as far as starting that conference play. And I think every team elevates their game once conference play, conference play starts. I know at App State, they call it a ring game every single time. And you got to up you got to up it a little bit. These are the games that matter. They're not on the same side anymore. So it isn't as impactful as far as the division battles go and who's going to be in that conference championship. But it's a big deal. It's, we're seeing a lot of conferences starting to get into their conference schedules now. And I think that's when the college football season truly starts. And that's when you truly get to figure out which teams are playing. So I'm really excited to see both of these teams playing some conference action and really start to figure out what they're going to be going forward. It's going to be a great weekend. I know you and I have already booked our hotel rooms. We're going up to Boone. That was kind of a last minute decision, but we're excited. So if you're listening to this pod, 
We definitely want you to reach out if you have a great tailgate. I've been told that the tailgating up at app is great. Caden has obviously not really been able to experience that as a student athlete. So if you're listening and you'd love for us to stop by your tailgate, please let us know. But certainly excited to be up in Boone this weekend. Caden, I wanted to do something fun here before we ultimately give our picks in, you know, of how we feel like this game uh, would go. And that's by getting into some prop bets here and just having a little bit of fun as we wrap up this episode. I wanted to start with, you know, a prop bet that I know you don't love. Um, and that was, <laughs> you know, which player scores the first touchdown in this game? I'm going to let you go first and then I'll follow up. Yeah, for those listening, this is my least favorite prop bet by far. If you see my money on the line on this bet, um, something's wrong. I don't, I don't normally do this, whether it's basketball, whether it's football. The first game score or the first score of the game is just a tough one for me. It's obviously hard to put a finger on. I'm trying to put my brain, though, for this situation in the mind of one Kevin Barbet one of the hottest play callers right now in the in all of college football and seeing what he wants to attack with this defense. And I feel like, I want to say Henry Pearson just because I feel like he's been utilizing the tight ends very well. But I think App State comes out swinging. I feel like they've been showing they can sustain those drives and I feel like they've been dedicated to those running game. But give me Christian Horn wide receiver. I think we get a deep shot to Christian Horn, open up the game, open up the offense. He almost had that toe tap touchdown against AM that got called back. But give me Christian Horn, number 13, obviously a little bit biased because I like him. But I do think Kevin Barbet feels like he has a little bit more to prove as far as throwing the ball goes. He proved he can run the ball against anybody. But I think he's going to try to take some shots. And I think Christian Horn's going to be the one to catch a touchdown pass first. I love that pick. And it's not because I picked him, but I think that's a great pick. And Caden, I was going to say, if you can get in the head of Coach Barbet, I think there's a lot of college football teams that probably would want to hire you. So <laughs> if this pick comes true, I will be your agent. We're going to get you a job at the... FBS level. I think, you know, for me, and I maybe took the cop out, I'm calling this the year of the running back in the Sun Belt. And obviously, really, App State has been very good on the ground over their first couple of games and even dating back to last year. That's their identity. You know, so that kind of narrowed me down into a running back room here that, you know, is is very stacked. Um, I think I wanted to go with Nate Noel, but obviously coming off of not playing against Texas A&M and, you know, not 100% sure what he's going to look like coming into this game. I couldn't take Noel. Uh, you have Amani Marshall, I think another very good back, Dajer Carrington. Um, but I say all those names to say I'm going with Cameron Peoples to score the first touchdown. I think you're going to see App State maybe lose the coin flip here. They get the ball second. Uh, maybe Troy doesn't score on their first drive, and then they take it, you know, 14, 15 plays you know, 75 yards and, you know, just play App State football. So give me Cameron Peoples to score the first uh, touchdown of this game. But uh, who knows? I mean, obviously, like you said, it's kind of, you know, there's really no odds for who scores the first touchdown of a football game. I mean, that's obviously not a terrible pick. I mean, that that's that's probably if we if there was a favorite for that one, it would definitely be Cam Peoples. We've obviously seen him when he just gets around that 50 yard line, man, when he can see that end zone and it's in his sights, he's just a different kind of runner. And he he's very aggressive as far as trying to get to that end zone. We saw him almost do it in the A&M game. So I don't think anyone's going to hit on that pick. I think that's a great pick, obviously. I think basically what our two picks showed is probably, you know, how we both feel about sports betting. I'm going to take more like the even money aspect and you're going to be a little bit more risky with your pick, have a chance to make more money. So I think it tells a lot about each one of us. I wanted to move on, though, for kind of our second prop bet in this one. And uh, it revolves around App State. And it was um, does App State go over or under 200 yards on the ground in this game? And I'm going to go ahead and go first. I'll let you follow up here. 
I went back and did some research. I think you've probably noticed a trend. I, I like to dig into the numbers uh, on this podcast. And if you look at App State, they've gone over the 200-yard mark in six of their last 10 games. They rushed for nearly 300 yards against UNC in the opener, 181 more against Texas A&M over the weekend. Troy, meanwhile, they gave up 266 yards rushing to Old Miss in week one, and they've given up 200 yards rushing in five of their last seven games. So give me the over. App State's going to rush for 200-plus against Troy on Saturday. Well, I'll tell you, Noah, me and the people definitely really appreciate your your digging and your research and the the, the numbers you bring to this podcast. We we appreciate your stats, but I'm going to just keep this a little, more, a little bit more simple, dumb it down a little bit. I see this game only going a couple ways. App State's either going to win big, Troy's going to keep it close, and App State still wins. But I don't see a universe where Troy just dominates App State. And I think in all of those universes, App State's going to have to run the ball and they're going to do it well. So give me the over as well. I think if it's a blowout and App State blows the doors off of this team, they're obviously going to get their 200 rush yards, have a stable of running backs to go to. But if Troy is competing, then I think there's going to be even more of an emphasis on that run game. And they're going to have to get that 200 yards anyways to probably win. So I'll take the over on that as well. One more prop bet here before we move on and make our picks for this matchup. And I think this is the one that I'm uncertain enough. And I I set the line here to kind of force us to maybe land on different sides of this. Uh, and that's, will Carlton Marshall have over under 11 and a half tackles in this game? Okay, and you go first. Well, Barry, Barry touched on him before, and we've talked about what he's done against App State before. Obviously, we've we've thankfully won a lot of those games, but... I'm not betting against this guy. I mean, he's coming off of an injury, obviously. Didn't have as many tackles because he he was injured in the last game. But in his first game, he had 11 against Ole Miss. And he always has a lot of tackles against App State. I don't know what the numbers crunching is going to tell you, but he just always seems to have a big game in those situations. Obviously, his senior year, I feel like he's very motivated. We talked about the records he's pursuing. And it's college game day, and we talked about it. Big players want to play as, be- as best as they can on the stage. And even win, lose, or draw, if you watch Troy play, more often than not, you're, that guy's standing out. It's like, oh, that guy has been everywhere all night. So give me the over on that. I'm not betting against that guy, that's for sure. Okay, well, we are both going, we're going to disagree here. And obviously, you brought up the injury aspect for Carlton Marshall. He's questionable to play in this game. I think he's going to simply just because of the moment he wants to be a part of this. If he does, it's going to be his 50th career game um, in a Troy Trojans uniform. I think another big piece too, we don't know if Carlton Marshall is going to have a future in the NFL, obviously a very talented player, but now a chance in front of a very large stage to, you know, show off his talents. So I think, you know, he's going to have a good game coming back from injuries. Here's just a little bit of context. He's averaged 9.3 tackles per game throughout his career over 49 games. You mentioned app state, He's had 13.3 tackles per game against App State in the previous four meetings in his career, 19 last year. Having said all that, give me the under on Carlton Marshall in this Whoa. game. I just, I, I'm not sure with the injury, and I felt like 11.5, you know, maybe a tap on the back to the odds maker here, but I feel like 11.5 is right on that line that forces me to go under. So give me the under on Carlton Marshall, but certainly I think he's still going to have a very good game and is going to make things very challenging for that App State running back room. I, I feel like you were you were selling me on my pick. I was like, oh, yeah, Noah's right. He has the stats to back this up. This is great. But no, the injury is definitely a, a question mark. I think if you if you predict that App State's going to lose the coin toss and all of that comes true for you and you predict that the Carlton Marshall under hits, seeing how well he plays against them, you're going to have to buy a lottery ticket straight after the game. So I'm obviously rooting for you. I'm rooting for both of us in a certain way. But if you're that accurate, if you're that on point with it, I, we're, we're going straight to the, 
nearest convenience store and we're getting some some lottery tickets that's for sure i'm just going to be honest here if you you know you put all this together in a parlay along with uh my line pick here in a moment i mean we're looking at turning like a hundred dollars into like a million so i think dinner's on me saturday night if all this comes together <laughs> but let's move on to really the last part of this episode is just to make uh, our picks on this game and, you know, Vegas seems to look at this line and say, hey, it's it's trending in one direction and that would be in the direction of app. I, I don't blame them. Uh, you look at the talent on the field that app has displayed over the first couple of weeks. Uh, and, and then meanwhile, you look at what Troy, they played Old Miss OK. Uh, they struggled a little bit against Alabama A&M in game two. They still came out victorious in that one. So you know, I look at the line. I think it's fair. I, you know, you start to think, can Troy cover that? And then I look back at what we mentioned a few moments ago, and that's been App's dominance um, in these games over the last couple of seasons. I mean, they're averaging wins of like 35 points in this game. So I, I can't, it's a bridge too far for me to think that Troy would cover. So give me App to cover that 12 and a half point spread. Over under two, it sits at 52 and a half for this game. I look at that and, you know, you look at all the points that App State has put up. And then again, you look at the history of this matchup. I think it's a very safe bet to see this game go in the over category. So give me the over on 52 and a half points. I like a lot of what you said, Noah. I think if we're just going straight money line picks, I'm going with App State in this one. I think they're going to take this game. That's not going to win you much money. But I'm also taking the over on that 12 and a half. I think, like I said before, if App State ends up blowing this team out, I think they could potentially put up 40 to 50 points, and I think they could win resoundingly and blow that 12 and a half out of the water. And Troy does keep it close. I just don't think, we talked about it before, I just don't think they have enough dimensions to their game to truly keep this one within 12 and a half if they, if they do have a game. You look at the weather in Boone this weekend, it's a high of 75. It's going to be a beautiful weekend. Maybe if the, the weather was a little bit different, if we see a Chicago Bears versus 49ers situation, we saw that ruined a lot of people's bets as far as points go happen this weekend. Maybe I'd be more willing to take that bet but i'm taking app on this one and i'm I'm taking the points as well i think the over is going to hit on this one i think troy has proven that they can throw the ball very well even against app state they're going to get the yardage they might not get the points to get behind it but i think they could sneak a couple scores in there and i think apps also proven that they can score as well what they did against unc so i would take the over on pretty much everything i'm gonna take the over on the points i'm gonna take the over on the spread and yeah can't wait for it should be a great game up in Boone this weekend. Obviously, if you can make it up there, I'd highly suggest it. I've heard some App State fans are talking about starting to line up at like 4 a.m. in the morning. I know that me and Caden are still going to be in bed at that time, but we're definitely looking forward to it. College game day, App State Troy should be a lot of fun. Well, it was another jam-packed episode of the Ferrari and Smith podcast. Again, we'd like to say a special thank you to Adam Witten and Barry McKnight for joining us despite their busy schedules to talk about this game this weekend. But before you go, don't forget that we'll be back with another episode on Friday where we'll break down several of the games that are going to take place on Saturday. And Caden, as we mentioned earlier, we need to be better. We've not picked the big upset game. So, you know, I I might give you a sneak peek. I really like South Alabama against UCLA. We'll see what happens there. But we'll make our picks for week two heading into the weekend. So thanks so much for taking some time to listen. If you like what you heard on today's episode of the Ferrari and Smith podcast, make sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you'd be so kind, please take a moment to rate the show or leave us a quick review. We love hearing what y'all think. Uh, Well, that's goodbye for now. We'll talk to you again soon.